Good morning. Hey, it happened to me for the first time. I've heard about it. Now I can actually testify. I was, uh, this morning I was limited. I couldn't get into the bread of the communion package and it just didn't happen. So I don't, have anybody had that happen yet where you just couldn't get in? There's so many frustrations with worship and things today, but I am thankful we're here united in Christ. Amen? That as we can remember his sacrifice on the cross and, and his death, burial, and resurrection, it's an amazing thing. Um, there are times we just have to sit back and just kind of laugh at things and make the most of it. And we remember his body and blood that were broken on our behalf that unites us. We're in this sermon series, Better Together, and I ha- couldn't help but think of Adam, you know, back at the beginning of creation. And the day when he was lonely, there was a time when he was just very lonely. God knew he'd be better together with a partner. So God came to Adam in his loneliness and said, Adam, I'm going to make a partner for you. We're going to call her woman, and she's going to be amazing. She's going to be able to make these meals that are amazing to eat. She's going to uh, listen to you without complaining ever. She's going to bear you children. In the middle of the night, she'll change your diapers to feed them, and you'll never even have to worry about that. Um, she is going to just do a, a, amazing things. Even when you get in an argument, Adam, she's going to be the first to admit that she was wrong and you were right. And Adam's like, wow, it's going to be a great partner. What's that going to cost me? And God says, an arm and a leg. And Adam thought for a little bit. He says, what will a rib get me? Oh. Hey, we're better together. And those bad jokes, sometimes good just to laugh. All joking aside, God has designed us to be together. And it's good to be together. Some of you are watching online, and there's good reasons for that. Some of you are listening on the radio, and I want to celebrate. We're together in spirit for that as well. I'm so thankful you've joined us in whatever form that is today. But the Bible lets us know that we're not to be alone. It doesn't mean we have to be married, but we're to be in relationship with one another as a body of Christ. And today, one of the dilemmas is that has led me to this This passage in Ephesians and this idea of we're better together, the world is dividing us every chance it can. There's a new level of isolation and separation to the point when many of us have a sense of loneliness that we've never felt. I can remember just a couple weeks ago, uh, not not as much as going on in the sports world and and maybe even uh, here at church. I mean, we have meetings and we're together at times like this, but everything's just slowed down. And my family went away for the weekend, and, and I had a sense of loneliness one morning. It was just too quiet, not enough going on, and I felt separated from so many. And that's just a small part of what many of you feel, what many of you online feel right now. But as followers of Christ, I want us to... to to make a stand on this this morning. Whether you're alone today, maybe you're just with uh, your husband or wife, or maybe you're here in this body. Guys, in Christ, based on what he's done for us on the cross and gifting us with salvation in the Holy Spirit, we are never alone as followers of Jesus. We, we, We have been promised this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Read Romans this week if, if you're lonely, if you feel like a separation. He declares nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ I wonder how many of you, though, have a sense of separation, of isolation. Maybe you've not been able to be around family and friends as much as you'd like, and the church is even being tested in our ability to be together. But in those moments, I believe God is at work. I trust in that. Here's what the Word of God tells me about it. That's why I can trust it. In Ephesians chapter 4, here's what it says. We, he's talking about the body of Christ, we in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is Christ. I read this uh, probably 20 times last month. I, I, I was almost completely way through the sermon, and then I slowed down. It's not even in my notes. 
Here's what it says. We in all things, not just the comfortable times, uh, not just pre-COVID, not just in situations where everything seems to be working out, but he's saying this, we in all things grew up in him who's the head is Christ. Here's the good news. When we're under Christ, no matter what happens in your everyday life, no matter what happens in your relationships, no matter what happens in your health, we are going to be growing in him who, who lives within us through the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say this. From him, the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Pause right here for a second. It's not my notes as well, but each part of us were to do work. If you're a part of the body of Christ, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, your unity with him is secure, and now we're called to get busy serving one another, uh, working on behalf of, of God's kingdom I wonder if you're doing that. You're the only one that really can answer that. We're called to to each part to do his work. Notice this, though. One of the things we don't have to do is create unity. This is a breath of fresh air for a pastor in 2020. Guys, the rate of pastors and elders and and Sunday school teachers, however you serve in the church, the rate of, of of retirement, the rate of like, I'm done, as high as I've ever seen. Because people are like, well, what can we do to, to help keep growing the church? What can we do to, to, to create unity? What can we do so we can have a sense of, of togetherness? Guys, we don't have to create that, and I praise God for that. Jesus Christ has done that. Here, notice what it says here. We are united in Christ. His perfect work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection is where our unity come from. It comes from, I don't have to create that. I can remind you, but it is secure in Christ. And we have a responsibility, though, to to maintain it. Look what the scripture says. It's our theme verse for the entire month. Make every effort. He's like, work at it to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We have unity through Christ. He has secured it. Now it's our job to keep it, to maintain it as it's under Christ. Notice what Paul says in this letter to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say the Roman government. Notice he doesn't say some some strange thing going on in the world. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord. Paul is wanting us to know, as he writes the church in Ephesus, as he's speaking to us today, there's going to be times where your world is turned upside down, you feel separated, you feel distracted, You and we uh, and I, he says, are not bound by the things of this world. We are bound and chained to Christ. It it is Christ who controls me. Paul is making it clear, even as he writes this letter in prison, he is not a prisoner of the Roman government. government. He is not a prisoner of the chains or or, uh, isolation of this house arrest. He is not a prisoner of the situation that he finds himself in where he can't be with his friends and family. He is controlled, not by all those things. Those are the things that, that, those things do not guide him or control him. He is controlled and imprisoned to Christ. Guys, I think that's a great reminder this morning. Whatever seems to be out of control that's controlling you, it may be isolation at home. It it may be a a restriction based on health. It may be a financial burden you have. It it may be something that I will never know about. You are not controlled by that. If you belong to Christ, you are controlled by him. And when we acknowledge that and celebrate that, nothing can stand against that. 
Don't feel sorry for the church this morning. Don't feel sorry for your own life. As we're in Christ, we have a future that is secure. Jesus made that point when he was talking to Peter. Not very long before he went to the cross. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to establish a plan of salvation for us by his death as of taking on our sins. And here's what he asked Peter. He says, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter, this was his response. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus says, on this rock. Peter is also known as the rock. But, but I think more than the person, uh, Jesus acknowledging the testimony that Jesus is the Christ, son of the living God. He says, on that rock, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Guys, uh, COVID is not over going to come the church. Uh, uh, racial uh, t- tension is not o- going to overcome the church. Uh, political divide is not going to overcome the church. There is nothing that's going to stand against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we can have confidence in that. But you've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is your Savior and the Lord. And while we're going through these situations, though, that are out of our hands, we need to admit we are controlled first by Christ. There are going to be loved ones that contract the COVID. There'll be loved ones and friends that pass away. There'll be others of us that go through long times of quarantine. There'll be others that suffer a financial burden. There's some that are listening right now are, are isolated uh, because of health reasons. And others are isolated that I, I know we're talking to today because of your own maybe decisions past in life. And you may literally be in prison. But if you're in Christ, your future is secure. Guys, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about your future in Christ. It's secure. We're united with him. I want to give a shout out right now to everyone listening. 930 service is the one that goes online. I was just thinking about this while we were worshiping. Uh, while we have four services that meet in the building, our online uh, service is as large as any. So we're connecting to many people online. And if you're online, it may be because of health reasons. It may be because of uh, other choices that have happened in your life. I want to let you know that your future is secure even though things are very different. I'm going to give a shout out right now to some people that I know are watching uh, for various reasons at home, but man, they're going through great days. It just feels different because they're kind of alone. Elaine Hoffman is celebrating this weekend with some family and friends in an isolated situation. I know you're listening or watching Elaine. She is celebrating her 100th birthday this weekend. Let's praise God for that. Hey, we're praying for you. We want to celebrate that. Uh, Also, another gentleman I want to celebrate that is, uh, apart from us, from a different reason, from maybe health restrictions, uh, a gentleman by the name of Clayton wrote uh, the staff and the elders and and myself a letter this week, and he is currently uh, uh, an inmate here at the federal prison in Greenville. Uh, At the age of 15, he began to uh, uh, dabble in drugs, and his life began to take different choices, and he finds himself right now in prison. And while he was in prison, uh, the COVID hit. And so uh, no like religious Bible studies were taking place. Uh, they had to begin to limit chapel. And Clayton was able to find our services on WGL. And uh, he has been listening for six or seven weeks now. And he testified in a letter that he is growing in Christ, even though he's isolated uh, from his loved ones outside and even his brothers and sisters uh, inside the, the prison. They're not able to be together, but he feels connected to the body through this church family and on the radio. And Clayton, we want you to know we're praying for you and your future is secure through Christ. Let's praise God for that. 
you may feel limited. It, it may be not because you're 100. You know, if you're turning 100 days, it's probably wise that you isolate right now. If you're in prison and you're repaying a consequence because of what's happened in the past, you can't be with others right now. You may feel isolated for other reasons. Maybe a family member is isolated. Maybe they, they have become positive. There may be some relational things that have nothing to do with what's going on. There may be political tension in your life. There is a reality that we feel isolated. But here's what the Bible says in, in the Old Testament, Zechariah 9. He was talking to some of God's people that were in prison for uh, various reasons. They were isolated. They were separated. And he specifically says this, while you are a prisoner for these reasons and you're separated for these reasons, if the Lord is your Lord, you are a prisoner of hope. And that doesn't make a lot of sense at first. Why would you be a prisoner of hope? And here's what the word of God, I believe, is saying. No matter what situation you find yourself in, when the Lord is your king, what you're controlled by and tied to forever, no matter what, is a hope and a future that lasts for an eternity to be with him on the other side. So today, no matter what you're facing, if the Lord is your Lord, and if the God is, uh, has saved you, you're a prisoner of hope. What a great testimony the, the word of God reminds us of. In our darkest moments, and our greatest challenges, God gives us hope. And, and we need to secure that. We need to rally around that. That's what unifies us, so we have a hope for the future. And why, the reason why we have to take a, such a, a, a strong stand right now is I believe Satan is loving what's going on in the world today. Joanne already mentioned it. I don't think Satan uh, created COVID-19. Now, I could be wrong. I don't think he did that. But he is uh, scheming to, to utilize uh, the reality of this and the separation that we now feel and, and the things that are coming against the world. He is using it to separate us, and he loves it. He, he's, he's letting people uh, be drawn apart from the church, from, from family members, and we need to do everything we can to take a stand for unity. We must seek it. There's two things I want you to understand about the unity, and they're going to seem strange. The first is this. This is kind of a theological concept you're going to be able to grab pretty quick. The first is this, to maintain the unity, to seek it, we've got to understand we must maintain it. Look back to our theme verse. It says this, make every effort to keep, or you could, inst uh, you could insert maintain, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Here's what I want to remind you of again. Christ has secured our unity. You can't make the, your own unity to be able to be with him. He has secured it through what he's done on the cross. And now the board of God is saying, hey, we've got to maintain it. We've got to keep it. We've got to make every effort to, to hold, it, hold on to it. While it's fully available to us and we have to maintain it, he also asks us in the word to, to continue to attain a full measure of it. We must not only maintain but try to attain our unity in Christ to the fullest extent. Look what the scripture says about that. So the body of Christ will be built up until we reach, all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's a, a unity that we're maintaining and a unity that we're trying to attain at the same time. So are there two unities? I don't think so. I think it's just kind of like this is fully complete, but we're continuing to work it out. There are not really two unities. Our unity is, is found in Christ. In one sense, our unity as the body of Christ is finished. It's complete. God's work through Jesus at Calvary when he died for our sins and fully uh, overcome sin and death and arose to a new life, uh, that work is complete and fixed. 
It can't be taken away. In another sense, though, we're called to work out our unity and make it a fact in everyday life. And that's hard. That's work. So we're going to look at that today. But we live in that tension of a completion of unity, but continuation of unity. Uh, I thought about just this this morning. Um, we, we can be one for a moment, and we can be uh, kind of in harmony with one another. And then if we don't work at it, if we're not aware of how to meet each other's needs and build each other up, quickly we can become divided. And that's what's happening to our nation, even our churches, if we're not careful. Look what the Scripture says, though. Our unity does come from Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, separated, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. It is Christ's blood that unites us. It goes on to explain how powerful that was. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentile into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from two groups together as one body. He's talking about the church, and he's highlighting that these groups were so separated. You, you can think about separations of this world. Maybe it's Republican or Democrats. Jews and Gentiles were just as divided, if not more. Maybe it's a, a racial divide. The Jews and Gentiles was a race and religion and all that tied up into one. And he said, uh, through Christ, he has brought those two together. So if there's any division today, through Christ, he can bring them together. I'll say that again. Whatever divides us today, through Christ, he can bring that together. Together as one body, it says, Christ reconciled both groups to God by the means of his death on the cross. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. we got to live like it, though. We have got to make a stand that whatever we differ on, it is trumped, uh, no pun intended, that was bad, it is overcome by the blood of Christ. Whether it's politics, race, finances, a view of mask, we have unity because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. It may be that someone sinned against you in a major way. We can have unity. In a clear act of forgiveness and atonement, Christ accomplished unity for us as Lord. Yet we have other acts and experiences that we need to continue to develop and strive to complete this unity. So that's where we find ourselves today. Being pulled apart, but working to have unity. Uh, we, we need to do that. There's three things that the Word of God here tells us to do to keep this unity. The first is this, bearing with one another. We're going to bear with one another in love. I can remember uh, my mom telling my brother and I different times when we would just be annoyed with one another. She'd say, bear with your brother. You know, that was hard work. You know, when you wanted to pop him in the face, you'd be like, bear with him in love. That's the last thing we want to do with that person who's annoying us. But here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4 when he's talking about this unity. Chapter 4, verse 1. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You have been united. Now live like it. I have seen division within our church the last six months. It's always been here, but it's elevated. It's growing. It's magnified. You have been called to live unified. Now, now, now live like it. And here's how he says do it. Be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Does that really mean what I think it means? Uh, yes. 
that person who's annoying, who's different, who you don't even really want to be around? Is God really asking me uh, to, to roll up my sleeves and work at building them up and bearing with them? That's what it means. You know who that person is already. Don't Raise your hand if you know that person that kind of rubs you the wrong way that God's calling you to be with. You know who they are. I'll explain them just a little bit more. They're that person that's just a bit different. It's the person that you know their faults and it really frustrates you. It's the person, if you're honest, we, you just have to admit they're just a little weird. Now do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> Don't look at them. That would be awkward right now. Just, try to just look straight ahead. We are called to, to, to be a, a, aware of that person and then seek to build them up. Seek to bear with them. How? And we do this for Christ's sake. We do this for, for the sake of the world so they'll be drawn to Christ like the song we sang. This is all for his sake. But how do we do it? There's three simple things we do under this, this heading. First, we be humble. One of the biggest problems that, that we push people away is we think we're it and we put ourselves on a pedestal. Be humble and realize that you're not it. Remember last week we talked, I think, you're not the center of the universe and somebody that you think's different, you need to uh, maybe lift them up. Be put, put them in position to be praised. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but the interests of others. We live in a selfie society. Some of you have a selfie stick in your purse. You know how I know it? Because after first service, somebody showed me their selfie stick. Selfie sticks aren't bad, but we live in a world where, uh, let's see how I can promote myself, how I can celebrate myself. I am all for celebration of relationships, but we, have, we live in a world that is all about promoting ourselves, but we're better together. Here, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Make sure you're not up on a pedestal this week. And look to see that person that may just annoy you, that person you don't fully understand. Look for a way to praise them. Look for a way to celebrate them. Look for a way to build them up. It takes a truly humble person to be able to lift up someone else. Because we're better together. Also, the Bible says here to be gentle. As a young man, I was uncomfortable with this concept of gentleness. Because I was trying to figure out how to be a man. And, and I, at times I thought of gentleness as, as kind of weakness, as, as not being able to stand up for myself. But that couldn't be further from the truth. The real definition for gentleness, pure gentleness, is strength and power under control, I think, for God's purpose. Guys, be gentle. Uh, the most gentle uh, people that I sometimes see are the strongest men. They, you know, the, the men that is just like a man's man, and then they're, they're just kind of a gentle teddy bear with the people they love. That's the way we should all be in a moment of strength and and uh, um, ability that we control it for God's purpose. Jesus testified to this. In Matthew 11, he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So, so follow how I'm living, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's something amazing that happens when we have power and strength, and we control it to bring rest and in relationships and peace in relationships, uh, something amazing happens when we offer a little gentleness in a stressed and almost frustrated situation. Look what Proverbs 15 says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
How many of you have seen a harsh word recently? Uh, you're out in public, maybe at school or your workplace or in, in, in your own family. I think it's peaking the most in our own family, and I'm, I'm maybe the worst at this. Someone will kind of make a jab, and then you, you go to code red right off the bat. You respond with harshness. The Word of God says, be gentle here. This week when someone maybe makes a, a statement that just rubs you the wrong way, I've heard it a lot lately over uh, maybe the mask situation, whether why don't you have a mask on or why are you wearing a mask? When someone uh, makes a statement that is just uh, highly opinionated and maybe uh, puts you down, no matter which side of this you're on, be gentle. Convey uh, uh, truth in love, and, and you'll have a chance to not only uh, have your voice be heard, but, but maybe draw a relationship closer. But stop re responding with harshness and, and with arrogance. But be gentle. Also be patient. Some of you, including myself at times, our patience is being tested at school, at work, in our families, with our spouses, with our friends. Anywhere we go, we feel our patience being tested. But the Word of God here says, be patient. You're like, I'm fed up with being patient. You're being, you're being tested right now because you're tired of even hearing about this dilemma. You're ready to move on. Guys, this is where we're at. And God says, be gentle and be patient. You're like, I, I don't know if I keep doing it. What does it really mean to be patient? Patience is, is really this. No matter what stressful situation you are, you're going to do what's right no matter how much your blood is boiling over. The Word of God puts it this way. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't grow weary. Don't grow impatient at doing good. I want to applaud 99% of our community, our church, is doing good. Man, that, that's, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. But I know it's growing weary. Sometimes you lose your patience. If you keep it up, there will be a harvest. Harvest has started in the area. It's just kind of getting started just this past week. I saw some corn coming out of the fields. I saw some beans being cut. It, it just is an exciting time. The farmers have been waiting for this harvest. It's here. Guys, uh, the church, I think, is through a, uh, going through a planting season where there doesn't seem to be a lot of fruit but a harvest is coming if we continue to do good. So don't become impatient by doing good. There will be a harvest if you don't give up. So we are going to bear with one another. We're also going to stay united by believing with one another. Some churches form primarily because they're in the same geographical area. And that's, that's not necessarily positive. Even though most of us are from this basic region... That's not why we're a church. In fact, I love this time during COVID where we have people uh, from different states, even different countries on a regular basis uh, joining in with us in worship. Church is not based just on a, a region. Church is also just not based on a family group. And this church here in Greenville got passed this a long time ago. Some churches stall out at around 50 to 75 with everybody being from the same family. And if you're not in that family, you never get in. That's not why we're a church. We're not from the same family. It's obvious. We're not in the uh, same church because of maybe we all follow the same baseball team. Praise God, we're not all Cubs fans or Cardinals fans, right? That's not what makes us a church. We're definitely not all a church because we have the same political views. It's just not why we're a church. And I want you to know this. You need to hear this. That is okay. Can we all agree that it's okay we don't have the same political views and we're the body of Christ? If anyone ever tells you, you need, they, they need to have the same political view as you, you need to challenge them in that. We serve and we come under Christ and him alone, and, and we can have different views on that. 
But what we do have is a united belief in Jesus Christ. And we want to cover that. Paul stresses that here. In Ephesians chapter 4, here's what unites us. It's not uh, our our region. It's not our family necessarily. It's not our views uh, on politics or or finance. It is on Christ. Here's what the Word of God says. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you're called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That is what binds us together. Our belief, as we believe together, is one. There are seven unifying statements of faith here. I just want to go through them pretty quickly. These are the things that that we agree on. These are the things that, that we hang our hat on in the morning and at night. First, there's one body. Would you say that with me? One body. Very good. This body is the body of Christ, his brothers, sisters in Christ. And we are one because we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And that body is to be unified. There's also one spirit. Say that with me. One spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Uh, this week I had a lady call and say, I'm thinking about coming to church. Watched a couple service online and you talked about the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I did not know her angle on that at first. And I said, absolutely. We believe the Holy Spirit lives inside uh, of the, the born-again Christian And he works in us on a regular basis. And we actually, I believe this, we need to acknowledge and celebrate and be empowered by him more at Greenville First Christian Church. We believe in one spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We also believe there's one hope. What is that hope? Last week, uh, I was outside getting ready for a youth group event, and there's a guy walking his dog, and he says, hey, what's that shirt really mean? What's that hope you're talking about? And I clearly communicated, we believe there's one hope of eternal life in heaven forever, and it's through Jesus. That's the hope that cannot be taken away. We have a hope of eternal life in heaven. There's one hope. Say that with me. One hope. Let's try it again. We're not unified. <laughs> Say it with one hope. One hope. Good. There's also one Lord. Say that with me. One this is the thing that will really start dividing us. Uh, uh, it, it happens a couple times a year. They're like, hey, I like the church family. I kind of like uh, the things you do in the community. I like the, the energy and the, the youth activities and how you do these different things. But I really believe there's one more way to uh, salvation other than Jesus. There's multiple ways. And at that point, even though we still love that person, we begin to divide because there is one way, one Lord, one Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said there's one way to the Father, and it's through the Son. There is one hope, and it comes through Jesus. Now, does that mean if you don't believe and trust in Jesus right now that you're not able to, to, to be around, to, 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 to be supported and loved on and served? That doesn't mean you, you're out. What it means is we're going to continue to point you to Jesus and nothing else. We're going to continue to elevate Jesus because he's the one Savior. There's also that one faith, that, that one belief as we trust in Christ. Say that with me, one faith. One faith. Amen. There's also one baptism. This is a baptism, I believe, by immersion. We see this all throughout Scripture. Jesus himself was baptized by immersion. And in that baptism, something miraculous happens. It isn't because of the water. This water, strangely enough, is probably at some point from Bond County Lake, you know? It's been purified, went through filtration, has some chlorine in it. That water is not what's miraculous. But when you're buried with Christ and and having that one faith and one hope in him, the Bible says that we share in his death when we're under that water. And we're crucified with him. And when we come up out of the water and we take that new breath, we we, we are raised to a new life and we share in his resurrection. There is one baptism in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father. Because there's one God 
and the Father of all. There's one true God. We don't make these things up. We find them in God's word. In fact, at the beginning of this year, God led us through this process to, to establish a vision, mission, and value. And our first value states this, but I want to remind you of our vision. I hope you've seen it around just a few times. It's hope changes everything. That's our vision. That, that, that when we have hope of eternal life with Christ, it changes our perspective no matter what comes. And our mission is this, to love God, love people, and to serve all. And our first value statement is where all this is based on is that we value biblical truth. We value what the Word of God says is truth for all people at all times in all places. I had a mentor of mine and a guy who greatly respects say, Tyson, you don't need to make that a value statement. Guys, we made it our very first one because we believe everything hinges on what the Word of God says. But this mentor of mine says, Tyson, it's understood, people understand that churches value the Bible. And, and I was shocked by this because I've seen time and time again in the world we live in that it is not understood in our culture, in our world, that people who say they're Christians that, that put value in the Bible, it has to be elevated. We have to make it known that what we believe, what we do, what we're, what we're based on is found in God's word, and it's not taken for granted. We must lift up the word of God. Here's what the word of God says about this concept in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is God-breathed. We believe that. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There we go again, right from the beginning. I ask you, are, are you willing to work to build up the body? In this passage, you study the word so you'll be ready to work. So you'll be ready to build each other up. Paul is saying here, there's so many things that divide us. It was true of the church in Ephesus. It's true of now. And we're united by God's word. We're united by what we believe about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, baptism, about our hope. So we bear with one another. Those people that are annoying, those people that rub us the wrong way, we're going to bear with them. We're going to believe together. And finally, this may be the most important, but we're going to go really quick with this. We're going to be building up one another. We're going to be working with one another to make each other better. And I see that among us so much. I, at times I see us working so hard. But here's the dilemma that I want to highlight in the passage. Sometimes we work, 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 and we do these things, and we, and we try this, this, uh, this new thing in our life of service. And if it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to produce much fruit. But there's a blessing that comes when we use our giftedness that's come from God. We see it in this passage. Look what it says here. I hope this is an encouragement to you. If you're a believer of Christ, here, here's the truth. To each one of us, he's talking to you. If you have been saved by the, the grace of Jesus, if you see the, the gift of grace, he says to each one of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He is not just talking about the grace of salvation. He's also talking about the grace of gifts. Because he goes on to say this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. If you have been saved by the grace of Jesus, you too have received another form of grace, a gift to build up the body. Some gifts are, are more 
just a parent than others. I want to celebrate the gifts of this stage this morning. You might be like, oh, it seemed like any normal day. No, they have received obstacles this week. There have been quarantines of individuals, of families. There have been positive cases in our church. And this group of uh, people with their gifts uh, have said, we're going to adjust in this. They're going to work at this. And uh, it has changed a number of times this week, but they are using their gifts to lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm so thankful that they're persistent in that. Let's praise God for that. I wonder what gift you're using. Um, Bree and I actually had a question this week. Hey, what if another family goes down, like um, Belinda and her family? That would take Chris out up there. It would take most half the stage out up here. Let's say the uh, uh, Groves also went out. Uh, and I said, well, I guess I could sing. And she says, you know, it's not your giftedness, all right? <laughs> we're we're going to figure out a way to do those things. God has led me. My giftedness is teaching his word. What's your giftedness? It says this, each one of us has grace given us, Christ apportioned, to to have these gifts. You have a gift. Are you using it? You may be watching online. I said, I can't do anything. You can study God's word, and you're in a relationship with someone right now that you could be sharing truth with. You could be teaching them some truth that you're learning from me or from God's word, and you could be sharing that. It's a gift. You can do that. You could be serving someone. Maybe you know someone who's locked down in quarantine. Maybe they're sick. You can mow their yard. There's all types of things that we can do. Are you using your gift? It says it's so important because that's how we reach our full potential. If we just do the occasional thing, a token thing, we're just going to get by. But if we use our gifts, we'll reach the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's big. At God's perfect time, there'll be a harvest if you keep doing what's right and what's good. Why do we do this? The Bible says this that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Here's the reality. Satan loves us so much, he's dividing us, and he's pouring on falsehoods and, and, and uh, lies, and we're believing it. These schemes, we're, we're like, oh, this must be true, this must be true. But when the body's together, we're not deceived. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every uh, supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. That matters, that the body is growing and being built up in the fullness of Christ. Does it matter to you? Only you can answer that. Does it matter to you? And if it matters to you, you are going to be doing your work to maintain, to obtain, to attain the unity of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I want to be a part of that type of family that bears with one another because I'm, I'm different and so are you, right? Maybe you're, the, maybe you're saying, I want to be a church that believes these, these fundamental things about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit. Maybe uh, you, you're uh, wanting to be a part of a church family that everyone is empowered to work, not just the staff and the elders. We are all given responsibility. I praise God uh, that people are stepping up on a regular basis to meet the needs of our community. But you may say, well, Tyson, I'd love to do that, but I've never even accepted Christ. Then you can't be a part of the family until you've done that. Until you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, until you say he is the Christ, the Son of living God, you can't be a part of this. As much as I say, oh, you, you can pretend to. No, you'll just be joining a social club and it will serve you no real purpose. But when you make Jesus Lord, he gives you the gift of grace and a, a gift of, of a spiritual gift that you can use to build up the body. Today, 
I'm going to ask the band to come, and we're going to sing a song, Surrender All, but we're going to do it a little different this service. I want to ask you to continue to, to remain seated until you're ready to reaffirm today that you've surrendered to Christ. And at the moment where, where God hits you, the Holy Spirit moves you, I want you to stand. But please don't stand until you have assessed, is Christ your, your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to, to work with the church body for his fullness? Maybe you're here today and you want to join the body. We welcome you. Uh, just this week, Dee was approached by a family that's primarily watched online. And I think this is the first time for this in our church. They are moving forward this week to join the church family, even though they're watching us online. I praise God for that. I also, yeah, let's, let's give. So also, if you're at home and you're watching or listening on the radio, I want you to stay seated until you feel you may be alone in your place, your garage. Maybe you're, maybe you're in your car. At that moment, whatever it is, do some indication when you know you've surrendered to Christ. Raise your hand, stand up. But don't do it just because those around you do it. Do it because you have made Jesus your Lord. And if you haven't done that, we want to invite you to do that as well. It is available. The baptistry is available to be made new in Christ. You can make your confession and you can begin to live for him today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we sing the song, as we listen to its words, I pray that at just the right moment we would acknowledge again that Jesus is our Lord. Lord, if someone is here today and they've not accepted Jesus as Savior, I pray that they would be led to by the Holy Spirit and their lives would be changed. Lord, if someone here wants to join the church family and they want to say, I, I want to bear with one another, I want to believe with one another here, and I, I want to, to build this church family up, I pray that they would make that claim today and say, we're in. We're, we're a part of this local church body. Not because of where we live, not because of our political ties, but because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.